Welcome back to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. And as a reminder, Act 2 is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This podcast is just one of the things we do. Please remember to subscribe. That way you don't miss out on upcoming topics. They pop up on your phone. It's great. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that's a cool topic. I should listen to that. Or you're like, these idiots talking about that. Skip. Either way, you'll know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I just want to say something. Something I'm excited about. We're going to have some guests on. We're going to bring in guests. We're doing it. I emailed my agent this week and said, you're coming on the podcast. Writers have things to ask you. And you need to answer for yourself. (laughs) And he said, okay. (laughs) He said... He said yes. He's gonna take the hot seat, and I feel like I feel like it's it's a hot seat when you're when you're an agent and and you have writers uh, asking you all the big questions. But I'm excited. He's he's great. Mark is awesome. Um, I love him so much, and I'm not just saying that because he's listening right now. I'm sure. <laughs> I love you too, Mark. I can't wait to talk to you. <laughs> I also want to mention our brand new Patreon. I would be remiss if I did not. Patreon.com backslash Act2Writers. We have new monthly content dropping that's exclusive to Patreon subscribers. We have a $5 tier. We have a $10 tier. So for the price of two Starbucks coffees, you can have over an hour per month of new bonus screenwriting content. Plus, is that how you're pitching it? <laughs> Starbucks is important to the everyday writer. <laughs> it's key to our survival. <laughs> Plus, you get access to our Patreon writers community, which is my favorite thing about it. We get to chat with you all there. And more importantly, you all get to chat with each other, if with other writers. So if you are struggling with finding a community, this is it. This is a place for you to actually be in the same sort of space as as other as other writers. But of course, our DMs are still available. So please reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com. Or on our Instagram and Twitter at Act Two Writers with topics, questions. Just tell us how you're doing with your career, whatever it is. Yeah, message us. I'm actually really excited to get into this week in writing. Do you have this week's in writing? I do. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend writing. I want to just start with something super duper light. This is not even, this is actually, it's not much. I should have done this right before this week in writing, but I just wanted to send out a formal correction for something that I said on the previous episode. And I, I heard about, there was a, there's some messages. I have to correct myself. I was talking about the show Bluey on Disney plus, and I kept calling it Blueys. And, uh, you know, I just had to call that, call myself out and say, my bad. You know, it's funny. After we talked about Bluey, randomly, Paul, maybe not randomly because he edits the podcast and so you inceptioned him, but he put on Bluey for our dog because the word on the street is, and this is true, if you have a dog, that Bluey has the color spectrum that dogs can see. So they become very fascinated by this. (laughs) And so uh, my dog was watching Bluey just enwrapped by this and what's great is like we put it on it's like oh ha ha background stuff for our dog to occupy her while we do other things and then suddenly paul was enwrapped by it and suddenly mm-hmm. i was enwrapped by it and suddenly we're all just watching bluey isn't as a just family. amazing it's just so like it's really good it's so good i don't know it's how really they good. do it 
Um, but I do want to just say, I think I was calling it Bluey's because here in West LA, there is a cafe restaurant called Bluey's. It's about five to 10 minutes away from my house, which is equally as good as the TV show Bluey. So wow. and that's pretty good. Not, you know, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So I just wanted to clear that. Um, and as my first this week in writing, but should I get into a real one or why don't you go? You have some good stuff. I have a big one. Well, I mean, I, it's big to me. I don't know. Yeah. Then it is. Okay. Let's go. I've been talking a lot to friends about, I guess, self-sabotage behavior. And I even texted you. I was like, I don't think I have self-sabotage behavior. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And then last night at the gym, someone was talking about the Oscar nominees for animation, best animated movie. And I was like, you need to see Nimona. Nimona is so, so good. Blah, blah, blah. Nimona, Nimona, Nimona. And then it triggered a memory for me. When I first moved to LA, well, this is not quite first moved. It was 2013. I found the email. <laughs> I was still an assistant at Universal. I was still trying to get my career going, of course. And I was on meetup.com, which I've talked about on this podcast. And I was trying to build out a screenwriting community, find other people who were writers, who loved movies, who wanted to do these meetups where you'd go see movies and then you'd go have dinner and you would talk about them. And I found one that was exactly this. And I was so excited. So I went to this first one. I invited my friend Katie because I was very nervous to sort of go to it by myself. And... We all got tickets separately. So in this meetup, it's like, okay, on this date, we're all going to go see this movie. And then we're going to have dinner at this restaurant. So come find us afterwards. So we all saw the movie separately. And then we went to this restaurant. I was at the Century City Mall over at the Westfield Century City. And as we got to the to the restaurant, and, and I should say that I, I really, really wanted to go to this because a writer who I knew as an assistant who was writing big movies at Universal was going to be there. So I was like, this is my chance to like meet a real writer, which even as an assistant at Universal, I never got to do. Mm-hmm. And I could walk him back to my boss's office, but that was pretty much it. So I was going to be able to have dinner with a professional screenwriter. This was blowing my mind. I was so excited. So we get to the restaurant and there he is across the restaurant, sitting at the table, this big table, waiting for all the other people to come. And he was alone. And I was like, here's my chance. And I froze. And Katie was like, what are you doing? I was like, let's just let's just get this table here. She's like, well, mm. but isn't that the table? I was like, yeah, um, I'm going to pass on that. Let's just you and me have a dinner. That'll be nice too, right? And so we had a di- <laughs> we sat at a table where I could see. And this, this writer was Evan Spiliotopoulos, if you know him. Um, he has done a shit ton of big things. So like Pope's Exorcist, which you and I both love. Yeah. The Second Huntsman. He wrote Beauty and the Beast. He did the story of Charlie's Angels, so he's credited as story by. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote the the Rock Hercules movie, Snake Eyes. Like he's done a lot of stuff. And yeah. at the time, like I said, he was being used a lot at Universal. And so I I panicked. I panicked and I self sabotaged myself. All I had to do was go up to this table and introduce myself. And he. He even said in his meetup, like, you have a little profile, right, of why you're on meetup. And he was like, I'm a writer who wants to meet other writers who love movies. Oh, my and, uh, God, Tasha. <laughs> no. Do you remember so I, uh, Do you remember the justification you told yourself of why you didn't want to go talk to him? Oh, it was all, all just crazy self-talk, which is like, I will embarrass myself. Um, he'll hate right. me. He'll think I'm just there to mooch off of him or... Just just synonyms of that idea, <laughs> all of those ideas. And, and then 
I think I was just like, I started getting so nervous about it that I was like, my nervousness is going to make it even worse. And then in my head, I was like, you don't need to talk to Evans Piliotopoulos. You don't, yeah. Why do you need that? You don't need that. You're doing fine. You're good. Just have a nice dinner with your friend. That's all you need. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's better. <laughs> so I... It was so, it was so embarrassing because I could, again, I could see him from my chair the entire dinner across the room, having a great chat with all these other people who <laughs> sat down with him. Yeah. I've had so many scenarios like that, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah? I really have. Where you put yourself in in a situation and you can you you can do exactly what you set out to do that moment of I want to really talk to this person or um people are expecting you to come into it a, a group or so like something that something that you want to do but the second you get there you kind of freeze a little and then you exactly what happened, you just talk yourself out of it and you know you're like mm -hmm. never mind I'm I'm good I'm mm -hmm. I'm totally fine. And Yeah, you're told that's that's a big part of it is like you convince yourself you're so fine without yeah. doing this thing. A hundred percent fine. Who, Which, I don't need to you talk know, to anybody. I am fine, but like I should have done the thing that scared me. <laughs> no, of course. And it's the thing yeah, it's the thing that yes, it's the thing that scares you. It's the thing you wanted to do, and it's it's not like you're trying to get anything out of somebody. It's just that it's something you wanted to do and yeah. you're like but you can so often just be like, well, what's the point of this? I mean, I'm not going to, it's not like I'm going to, you know, write something with them. So I'm not going to do it. And then you just kind of yeah. like call it a day and right. I can relate. That one hurt. Yeah. That one hurt me. So it happens. <sighs> God. Can I also just say, no wonder you're, you're, you're like, you're such a good pitcher. That story I was not even paying attention to anything else. I didn't forgot we were podcasting. See, I thought I was rambling. I was like, oh man, I could have started the story here instead of here. <laughs> <laughs> I do have some notes. No. Um, okay. Okay. I have something for you. Okay. You're going to love this. <laughs> I am currently revising a script with a producer who okay. may be listening to this and I am so worked up about it. I don't even care. <laughs> uh, he was giving me some notes and he looked through some of my action description on one of the pages. Here we go. And you know. <laughs> I'm so excited. You know. You know I love. I think I try to do this in like every action script I write and kind of call out like Jason Bourne, John Wick, like this is close combat, Bourne style, like Bourne mm. close hand-to-hand -hand combat, this and this and this. And I had that written in a in a script. It was one line of dialogue, like close combat, born style, uh, punches are flown, like blood splatters, something like that. Cool. And he, he, yeah, thank you. But he said, hey, I, I just don't know about this, this born line, which has been in the script for a billion drafts. This was mm -hmm. the first time he has said something about it. And... He was like, maybe you should kind of word it this way. I don't know how if how how it is about like calling out another movie in your own script. And I was like, okay, that's fair. And I had to think about it before I got so worked up. But clearly, here I am talking about it. But I'm only bringing it up because it was something we've talked about. And I feel like I feel like when you say that in a script, it's so clear. You know exactly what kind of fighting that is. At least I do. Yeah, I do this all the time. I do this all the time and to the point where like for actual script, like Tomb Raider stuff, it'll be in there. It'll be like, Laura does this just like that iconic moment in such and such movie. And it functions on two levels, which I think is interesting and why I think you should keep it. Mm -hmm. That's my argument. Um, creatively, 
when the director has to translate it and the board artists have to translate it, or if it's live action, their equivalent, they know exactly what you're imagining and that inspires them too. And it's not like they're going to reiterate that exact shot, but it's going to inspire them with the tone and the feeling that they get from that born action or whatever reference that you have. And I'm not saying overdo it. I'm saying doing it in key moments when that's really what you're drawing from yourself in that moment. But then the flip side is that legally, um, there's all there's always a discussion of like, well, it's not literally that. Like, yeah, I will often describe like someone has a Rambo knife and they're like, well, but it's not like literally Rambo's knife, right? We have to make sure that in the yeah. when you design it, it doesn't look like Rambo. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. to inspire you creatively, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So like there are two sides of that coin, but... I don't know, man. I, I that's super clear to me when you say born style action, and then you add stuff on top of it, like you're saying, like you're even describing, like you're not just leaving it at born, like you're giving some Joshian no. stuff in it. Yeah, that I I agree, and and it's just so crazy because it's something that's been in the script, and like it, this was just this is like final pass that this guy was just reading through it, and he was like, hey, so and, and like he just brought it up, and yeah, so I I'm gonna leave it in, and yeah. also scripts are meant to be like this isn't like freaking bible this is meant to be changed at some point it's for people sure. to envision something it's exactly what you just said you know so my manager is is very keen on and and all producers are really they and i'm sure you've heard this like they're very keen on take everything out that can make someone say no like do mm. a pass that is just anything that could potentially bump anyone about your script um, sure. to make them say no. And so like, it sounds like without hearing at all what his note is, like there's a version in his head where he's thinking like, what if someone hates Bourne? Or what if someone thinks Bourne is outdated totally. or whatever? They don't want to be like, oh, this is just like a Bourne movie? No, pass. Just to try to get in his head about why he he was suddenly self-conscious about the line when he wasn't That's before. That's fair, actually. And this almost makes me want to take it out. And it almost makes me want to write a movie that gets referenced in future scripts. <laughs> Well, that is the that is the goal. <laughs> That's that is the goal. Anyway, all right. That's a great Kevin. one. Um, yes, I have one more about pitching. I'm currently mm -hmm. deep in revising a pitch. I've already pitched it once to the producers and the studio, but sort of like the head of the production company now has to hear it and make a final decision. And. I'm like nervous just even thinking about it. So I had like a pre-meeting <laughs> yesterday. That, and this The pre-meetings always make me more nervous because like the pre-meeting was with the producers who I've already pitched to. So they've heard my idea. They like it enough to pass it on to their boss, but they know their boss is a bit of a hard ass or that their boss is very difficult or that their boss is just, she's heard a million and one pitches and she wants you to fucking cut to the chase. <laughs> so the pre-meeting was like to help me get my pitch ready to face this final boss, basically. Yeah. And what was interesting to me and something that I am still learning as I write my pitches out is they absolutely want you to step out of your storytelling and say and like address them directly in the pitch. And what I mean by that is a big thing they want me to do is put the character stuff up front. Make sure it's very clear that the story that I'm pitching is very character driven. Even if the, it's this action adventure story, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch you the action adventure, but I want you to know that throughout this whole thing, there's some really elevated character stuff happening. And so their recommendation was doing the character stuff up front. But I found in that in writing the pitch, if I front load it with character stuff without giving you a story to hang on to, it's just busy and mm-hmm. it just sort of doesn't make sense. So I told them, I hear you, but I think I'm just going to give you sort of the umbrella look at what the characters are doing up front to just like reference them so you know it's coming but then i'm gonna put it later at like the low point of my pitch and his response was that's totally fine but make sure you tell us that in your pitch tell us in the pitch up front hey guys i'm gonna talk about a little bit about character here but i just want you to know that later on i'm gonna talk about it more so just hang on with me and i thought that was very interesting because i always talk about on the podcast and this is often how i write my pitches i almost like want to have what a what a movie gives you which is like you sit back and you just enjoy the show Right. You don't you don't get ads in the middle of it. You don't get the director coming on telling you this is how you're supposed to feel about something. But in a pitch, it was a very good reminder that you are pitching to people who have heard a million and one pitches. They know how this goes. So they they want you to be as clear and concise as possible and to take them through everything, not just like a campfire story, which it should be, but a very controlled campfire story, right? Like they want you to know that you have an absolute handle on everything and are guiding them through that almost almost by the hand. So sure. I, I just thought that was a really good reminder that I I can step out of just the campfire story part of telling a pitch, the, the story fun part, and give sort of almost like, um, I guess like producer phrases. Uh, yeah. Th- this character is the mentor character. And just so you know, he's going to have this arc. Um, But I'll talk about that later. Like, that's something that is very hard for me to do because it's not fun. It's not storytelling-y. But it's really helpful for producers marking their path along your pitch. So that's This Week in Writing. No, that's that's outstanding. So are you going to do that with each character? Oh, this this person is the this, you know, or whatever it is, you know, and you're just going to kind of tell, say the role and get into it. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to I'm going to have to put the characters up front because it's like an ensemble thing. There's like seven characters or something like that. And I have to yeah, I have to give a little like snapshot of who they are and where I see them arcing, but say very verbally in the pitch. But I'm going to get into that later. Right. I love it. Here's the story. (laughs) I love that. It's just taking control of the pitch and doing the broad strokes and bullet points and yeah, it's interesting to it's always great to like get a producer's point of view on the pitch process because they're they're the things that they're looking for are very different than than how writers convey themselves, which is where a lot of our conversations come from about why pitching is so difficult because we want to tell so much of the story that we feel is very meaningful that producers don't care about. Like something that he was saying in the meeting, which is just very true, but writers think about it slightly differently is look, we're going to want to just know what does the character want? Why is it important to them? And what happens if they don't get it? Like, just make that super clear and we're good. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, but like, like they literally just want me to say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what they want? This is what's yeah. going to happen if they don't get it? And, and <laughs> I don't pitch that way, right? I'm a storyteller. So I want to tell you a story about why they want that thing and what happens if they don't get it. But they're like, fucking cut to the chase. <laughs> yeah. So it's just something to remember. Like I really have to thin out my pitch and they were even like, please thin out your plot stuff. Like you don't, my plot stuff to me is like pretty thin already. There's like, Attent- we just care about character. Attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter, whether people realize <laughs> it or not. And so it's yeah. like, just give me, give me the uh, Instagram version of this pitch and make God, it 30 I'm not seconds. joking. It's rough out there. <laughs> 
It's rough out there. All right. We doing this main topic? Okay. Main topic. Main topic today is how to take your idea from idea to script. And I never find it's helpful to talk about these things generally. So I think we're going to get into examples. I think we're going to get into some specificity. Wow. Um, as much as we can, because what we're going to talk about today um, is a script that Josh and I are actually working on. We're working on two scripts. One is the, the one we're breaking on Patreon. <laughs> I know we are crazy. Um, <laughs> that one is is also bonkers. It's this cool time travel movie. Uh, but the one we're going to reference today and kind of walk you through what our process has been for it from idea to script um, is something we came up with like last month or something um, where we just both like one of us just randomly pitched it. It is just like two ideas just randomly came together and we were like, holy shit. Like, I feel like there's a moment where we both kind of leaned back and we were like, what did we yeah. just do? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. we couldn't stop thinking about it. So we just started meeting every week and coming up with what this what this was. And we're pretty close to going to outline. So we thought we would kind of share how we've gotten this far. That was, it was a special moment of like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. So, I mean, just as far as how the idea yeah. came about, like random, like just two... Uh, not even more than two just ideas were firing off for different things. We weren't even trying to come up with an idea. We were just talking about movies and things yeah. that we like. And then all of a sudden we were, one of us said, I don't remember who it was like, what if this met that? And we were like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah, one of those yeah. rare instances, which I feel like has never happened to me, where we always do comps, right? We always do this meets that, uh, Indiana Jones, but with aliens, Charlie's Angels meets Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> which is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> awesome. Awesome. You know what, though? That's that's an important thing. Those comps, like, I feel like we're obviously, we, and Dave, Dave is, as well, we'll all message each other. Dave, and friend of the podcast. Dave. And I'll message you all the time, and like, and you'll message back, and we'll, throwing out random comps in in just like a in a just a natural spitting form sometimes they land sometimes they don't but you're like for that one moment you're like wait a minute wait charlie's angels meets winnie the pooh how could that fit together <laughs> and sometimes it actually does and then <laughs> yeah. other times you're like you're like charlie's angels but set in a haunted house you know and it's just like well wait maybe how can i figure this out and it, it, that's cool too so yes so i i felt like and like I'm curious what your feeling was, but I feel like it was the same. That with this particular, this meets that comp, I feel like I could not only see the movie, but I could see the tone. I could see mm -hmm. the actors who are in it. I could see how it was directed. Like it just all became extremely clear. And that's always like the golden egg that managers, producers, studio execs, writers are all looking for. And it's so yeah. hard to get. And we may fuck this up, Josh, along the way, but like at least sure. we had that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget the moment. <laughs> no, I agree. I felt the same way. And I, that's why I think I was like, I, you know, I, I rarely am like, we need to pursue something. This, this, this can't go, this can't die. This, this yeah. is a great idea. I'm lost in the idea already. <laughs> So good. Um, yeah. So we had this idea and we didn't know, we didn't really know where to begin. We didn't know if it would work. We just knew it was super cool. So we decided to start meeting over Zoom. I'd say we met for about an hour or so at a time. Mm -hmm. um, and we we worked on Milanote, which is an app that we both love. Um, yeah. I, in particular, can't stop using it. Uh, check it out if you haven't already. But it's something that you can both be on at the same time if you're on computers. Sponsors of the podcast, together. right? 
Milanote. If only. <laughs> One day they will be those wonderful people. <laughs> um, remember when we were sponsored by Tiramana? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're on Milano. Milano is great. Again, you can put in notes. You can actively work on it together. You can color coordinate things. You can create columns, move columns, throw in uh, links and stuff. We would, if we were sort of on our own and researching something, we could throw in a link and it would look really nice. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Pictures. You could just do so much with Milano. It's so helpful. So we would meet pretty much, I think, like once a week um, yeah. towards the end of December. And we would just beat out the story in Milanote. And I think, um, so this movie is a mystery. And we knew that solving the mystery was going to be a huge part, of course, of how this movie functioned. Meaning that when you watch the movie, you will lean in because you are trying to figure out the mystery. And of course, the satisfying end is going to be you and the characters solving it. So we could have started with characters in this instance because characters in a mystery really depend on like the mystery that they're in. We were mm -hmm. sort of, I feel like I remember being like, well, what do we, where do we start? Do we start with the plot? Do we figure out the yeah. mystery first? Or do we figure out the characters and inform our mystery around them well so what's interesting is because we had a mystery i think we were kind of like well what if this person dies and it's like okay that person you know there's like a death element in it and so there was kind of like this equal element of both like character meets plot i think that's yeah. right it's like we started with well we know this person's going to die so if this person is going to die who would the people be who would want that person dead and let's put right. them in this movie. And then we start from there. And I remember we actually had a list of something like eight characters originally. And we just had tropes written down of like, we want, I don't know, like whatever tropes are in a in a mystery movie. Like the young ingenue and um, the cocky rich wise ass, whatever it is. Like we had this list of characters we thought would work well in a murder mystery. And then we just started working backward from who would want this person killed and then it started right. to become a bit more clear and we had characters that we've thrown out um once we started getting into it or we realized and oh, we don't need this person or this person actually kind of overlaps a lot with this other character let's just combine the two but that was at least our starting point i think was this person has died who would want to kill them and mm -hmm. then i think you're exactly right which is kind of the crazy fun part about and scary part about developing ideas is that the more we talked about character stuff like, what is this character's central problem? Why is it their problem? How do they enact their problem? Started thinking along those lines, the more plot stuff became clearer. For mm -hmm. example, like, we knew we wanted this the, the killer to be a person who, like, seemed really good on the outside, but was actually evil on the inside, but they hid it, kind of like Kaiser Sose. So we started talking about that character. Well, why are they bad? And then there are a million reasons why someone would behave this way. And we kind of talked through all of them. Like, were they abused right. as a child? Are they just a sociopath? Were they bullied? Whatever the case may be. And eventually one made sense, right? One, There's always one where you go, ah, like that actually, that completely connects why they would want this person killed. So now we have that backstory, their want and their motivation that would drive them to commit murder. So you write that down. And then plot points start to come out of that because you're thinking, okay, well, if that person wants this, let's say, say our killer, their central problem is that they are bullied and they kill this person 
um, because of that central problem. They just always feel they're being bullied, which means whether it's true or not, the victim has bullied them. Like the killer feels that the victim has bullied them because if the killer's problem is they are being bullied, then they kill this person because they feel they're being bullied. Again, whether the, it actually happens or not, that's how the yeah. killer has perceived it. So you need the victim to show that the they're bullying system. this ca character. So now yeah. I have a plot point, <laughs> right? So like <laughs> these kinds of things, this is how plot points start to come. And as we were first brainstorming it on Milano, kind of the beauty of, of, of Milano's, you can be as structured, meaning it's act one and this is beat one, or you can be as like free flowing as you want. And we were pretty free flowing at this early stage where we were over Zoom. So we just had this huge running column list of like scenes that we came up with as we were character brainstorming or um, a whole character section. And, you know, each each block is a different character. And we just have bullet points under each character's name of mm -hmm. things we liked, things, uh, references that were funny or that were in the real world that reminded us of this character. Um, again, things they want, how they behave. And then if ever there was a plot thing that came up as we were brainstorming characters, we'd move it over into our plot section. So that's kind of how we did it at first in these first, I think it was like about a month ish i think i think it was even i think it was a little less than that actually I think it, it was feels like, like maybe like two and a half to three weeks or something i don't I think know at one point we were a... meeting like two times a week for an okay. hour yeah plus it was yeah we, we had some time so we were taking advantage of it yeah so character creation i guess came first and then we realized we got i feel like we got to a point where we sort of had the basics of each, each character the basics of why they would seemingly want to kill this person and then we were like all right we got to figure out how the murder happened what's really interesting about this and i think this is all writing because i think a lot of times we talk about like okay figure out the character first figure that out and rightfully so right it's like but i don't think there's one way or you can't really go all in on like the development of a character or a plot like they kind of figure each other out and inform each other a little bit because like you were just saying, we kind of had the mm -hmm. basics of, okay, this character is this. And we kind of knew certain aspects about each character. It was like, okay, we have a little bit of plot stuff. And then once you start figuring out plot stuff, it's like, oh, well, where does that figure, where does that fit with these characters? And then it starts informing the characters and changing the characters. And I'm just bringing that up because I think there's a lot of times people talk about like, there's, there's just no one way to do it, but I don't think the way to do it is to be like, this is this character and they are not changing. This is who they yeah. are. They exist in this story. I completely agree with that. And it's definitely something that happened in our in our breaking of this story for sure. Things, both the plot and the characters were constantly moving and changing as we were figuring stuff out. And I think like the best idea wins. So there is a temptation to get married to a character that you come up with or to just, I think sometimes it comes from just like desperately needing to know where to start because it's so yeah. hard to figure out where to start. So you're like, well, I'm going to come up with this character and this character is like the foundation or it's the central column that's going to hold everything else up. And then yes, like you articulated very well, like the plot has to move around him. Well, when you start figuring out the plot, it really behooves you to move the character a bit if you're, there's some cool plot shit that you want to get to that doesn't fit with your character you created. Maybe the parts of your character that that's standing in that way need to be changed a little bit. Yeah. And this is the stage where you're open. This first month of just brainstorming is when you can start to make these changes because you don't have anything like really written down on a script or in an outline when you start to get more married with it. Because once you start writing things down and 
yes, it's different for everybody. But this is for me and I think for a lot of writers, as soon as you start writing something down, it feels more concrete. And it feels like now I'm making small changes. I'm not making big changes. But when it's a bit more fluid and it's more brainstormy like this, now is when your brain feels like I can change anything. <laughs> I can make anything better. I can make anything totally. different. Um, and that's a good place to be at this stage in your process. Yeah. So then we had to figure out what the murder was. This then, of course, changed some character stuff. It changed some plot stuff. But we pretty much broke exactly how the murder happens and also what people were doing the night of that murder. Yeah. And then we felt like we had a strong enough understanding of, of the motivations of all our characters, what happened the night of the murder, for Joss to now come over. Yeah. <laughs> and I posted a picture of us, well, you at the whiteboard. <laughs> 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 and and we, we came over we, uh, and we just got a pen and I wrote act one, act two, and act three up on the board. And we didn't do that at all in the middle note. It was just stuff. Yeah. Um, so now is our chance to, okay, all that stuff we've been thinking about that was just sort of, in some ways, random <laughs> things that, that we came up with, like now is the time to start to structure them and see where in the timeline of a two-hour movie do they actually exist. That's a fun yeah. step for me. I, I Maybe it's like the organize, organizer in me, but like... I like that part. <laughs> no, I, I loved it. it. What's interesting is because I think it was a mystery um, or because it is a mystery, it was one of those things where it was like, it's time to get together in person. We need a whiteboard. We need to bounce off of each other and we need to talk this through. And it's crazy how, at least I feel this way, how much better it is to be in person with someone. And you're just like, figuring things out. I don't know what it is. There's mm -hmm. just, there is a difference though. I know of course you can do things over a zoom or whatever it is, but like a zoom. There's an energy zoom, that yeah. I feel like came over us. We're like, ah, oh, it's this. And we're like really excited. <laughs> just throwing <laughs> markers and yeah. And it helps to be able to like pace and like write something and then like delete it. Cause it's not good. Mm -hmm. It's just like that weirdly like that mobility alone is just like really freeing for totally. your brain yep. than just sitting so and staring at a computer yeah hell yeah so we got together we're in person and now we start writing out the acts and and just starting to fill in some blanks and and uh, beats and and not even beats really but more so like plot points right yeah i mean i i guess i'd call them beats it wasn't it was and it was in order so mm -hmm. it's like we generally know and for a mystery it's a tad bit easier because a mystery sort of operates in a particular way, right? Someone dies, someone comes in to solve the crime, people are interviewed. Like there are things that we knew we wanted and needed in our act one. So like, I think both you and I had a very clear vision, just uh, scene wise, how the movie opened. So we like very quickly, like we knew what our opening beats were. And then, okay, we knew we got to hire our detective. Well, our detective now comes to the location of the crime. What does he do next? Well, I'm sure he investigates the scene of the crime. Okay, that's a beat now. And then he probably talks to people um, and interviews the people who saw him last. Okay, that's a beat. And then what does a detective do? A detective typically will walk back the day the victim had to see like what the timeline was leading up to their death. Okay, that's something our detective can do. And so suddenly we just had beats on a whiteboard that didn't exist a second ago. And we were trying to find creative ways to do this. Like- what you just said were the ways, but I feel like also always asking like, what's a unique way into this situation? 
and where could this take place that's unique. So it doesn't just feel like, oh, I know it's going to happen. You know, like, yeah. it, so it feels a little different. I hope. I hope. We'll see. I we'll feel see. like some of that specificity and like uniqueness can, like, I almost want to save that till like our next step because like now it's like I just need to wrap my mind around how the fuck this thing works. That's like, true. How I agree. the hell does it function in act one? Where is the turning beat? Like where are people going to be surprised? Where are we going to surprise them? And where are our characters going to change? Because our, our main character, we we both agreed we want our sort of detective type character to change over the course of the movie that's what invests yeah. us in some of the best mystery movies so like why does he change where does he change um those were things we wanted to mark down and sometimes we'd get ahead of ourselves right like we knew all right this beat is an act three beat i'm just gonna throw it in act three and i have these like cool magnetic whiteboard cards so whenever there was something that like didn't come next in our timeline but we knew we wanted that scene we would write that up on this like magnetic thing that we could throw up on the magnetic whiteboard and then move it as we needed to but it was at yeah. least there so we didn't forget about it yeah yeah that was super helpful and that's kind of how we beat it all the way through up to the midpoint of act two in that first session which i think was about two hours or so yeah so two hours we got to about the midpoint and again very basic beats the second time josh came over it was another eh, an hour and a half and we knew we got stuck at the midpoint because we knew a lot was going to happen in Act 2B and we didn't know what it was. And when you left, actually, we had magnetic cards up on the board that said stuff we knew needed to happen. We just had no idea where it happened. We just knew right. at this point in the movie, like this stuff has to happen for us to get to the Act 3 that we know we need. So when you got here to start that second time, all that stuff was up there. We just had to start thinking about, well, then what comes first? And we started with the sort of South Park way, right? Which is like, if this happens, then this happens, not just stuff happens. Can we rehash that? Can you, can, the, what the, the, the South Park way is this video. We've talked about this before, but the South Park guys, they were speaking to a class and they were basically saying, it's the but then. Is that right? It's basically, there's cause and effect to every single thing that happens. And if you ever find yourself in a scene and let's say, you know, Tasha and Josh are talking and then Tasha and Josh go to the grocery store. There's no, there's no reason for that. Like that's when you say, and then you're, you're screwed because that just means your last scene didn't motivate your next scene. Yeah. It's just stuff. Stuff just happens. There's no cause and effect. There's no cause and effect. Okay. I just wanted to rehash the South Park. Yeah. Part. Thank you for doing that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's exactly how we started, right? Which was really cool because oftentimes I get mired in bullshit when I get to act two and I don't think this simply and I need to get back to thinking this simply, but we knew what our midpoint was. So we said, okay, well, if this is the midpoint, how is our character reacting to that? Well, they're going to want to go talk to this person because that's a big fucking deal that they need to get an answer from um, or answer about. And that person is the obvious next choice. Mm -hmm. So, and the reason why I say that so specifically is because what I think my instinct or one of my instincts was, was, okay, at the midpoint, our detective learns this big new fact. My instinct is to just jump to like the solving of that problem. But I had to get into the character's head and be like, well, the character mm -hmm. would not know how to solve this problem. The character would just know that this midpoint new information leads them to this next character. Like they don't know all the facts. And I think I'm rambling a little bit, but the point is that 
the more specific you can get to your character, when they hear this information, then they behave this way, or then they think this, then you can start to break your act two, particularly act two B, much easier. And that's what yeah. we did. We broke it up and we knew ultimately he was going to get to like step five by the end yeah. of act B, but we broke it up into like five different steps before he could get there. Yeah. Which is great. Like that's that's how we started breaking Act Two B, and we ended up creating, I think, again, like about five five scenes in that section. Because okay, he goes to this person, and he learns this new fact because this happens, which then leads him to this person, which then leads to this thing, and then mm -hmm. this in the and as soon as we started thinking, if this happens, then this happens. Then the second act started becoming super clear, and that's when we were like really excited. <laughs> that like, is true. This writes itself. <laughs> You know what? It's so funny how that works where, yeah, you're absolutely right where you have a few moments of, well, wait a minute, that means that then he would have to go over here. And if this, then that's going on over here. And then once that just starts kind of coming together, you you just feel it. You just feel yeah. like this this is happening. But to give us credit, the reason why Act 2B then became so easy was because we did so much heavy lifting in the character work in that first month of brainstorming on Milanote because we knew exactly how the characters would behave in those scenes that would prompt our detective to react, right? So like, yeah. it would be so much more difficult if we get, got to 2B and hadn't done that heavy lifting of figuring out who our characters were. Yeah, so that's absolutely us. right. Good frame, good on us. Watch it all just <laughs> blow up. We'll never finish the script. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that would be the, this would be, this would depress me. I'd it would be like, devastating. It would be devastating. So that's it, that's where we are now. Josh, you're gonna come back this week. I'm gonna see you this week. And we're gonna yep. put up, so we have all of these, the the basic beats that happen, like I would say the basic scenes that happen, the locations that, you know, detective goes and investigates the crime scene. Detective calls all the people together and talks to them one by one. Like those are some of the examples of beats that we have. So in this next session, we're gonna go deeper and get more specific where we're gonna put literally every single scene. So it's not yeah. just, he calls people together and then talks to them one by one. It's he gets in a room, asks, t tells everyone to wait here because I'm going to talk to you one by one. <laughs> and then the next scene is he's talking to so-and-so. And in mm -hmm. that scene, this happens. And then he's talking to this person. So we're going to we're going to break these beats that we have down into actual scenes so that by the end of hopefully that day, we will have all of the scenes on the board that are ready for us and like. Not, not in detail, just basically right. what happens, that right. will then allow us to go to the next step, which is writing the outline. So based Correct. on these scenes, we can then build out the the little, little short blocks of scenes that we know we have into paragraphs so that we're in that outline form. We're going to talk more about character and more about what happens that progresses this scene to that scene. More of this, if this happens, then this happens. That starts to go in the outline. But um, that is where we are. Wow, that's that was amazing. So it's essentially just to kind of rehash everything. It was it was the this idea, general idea, met with okay, let's explore this a little bit more. I think this is this is a a good feature. Meets so like all right, well, what kind of characters exist in this world? We we established that. Kind of went back into plot, started to build the plot out a little bit. That influenced some of the characters, which then influenced the plot. And then we started to write down the certain beats and things that would happen. And that's it. It flourishes and it just spider webs out. And that's kind of like, that was our progression of, of, of how it happened. Mm -hmm. And how, I mean, how any idea happens, I suppose. That makes it sound so easy. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely uh, simple. 
you knock on some wood right now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's so difficult. I, I'm not, I mean, like all ideas in general, you know, it's just, you're like, yeah. what happens now? So we'll see. Yeah. But it does help working with someone else. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that. Much. It's, oh my God. I've definitely learned to share the load. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> like, so what do you think happens? <laughs> I don't ever want to write a spec by myself again. What's the point? <laughs> what is the point? Anyway, I'm excited. That's it. That's where we are. Yeah, we'll give you guys an update as we go, I guess, about how sort of the outline to script process goes. But that's, I guess, we lied about the topic today. It's not idea to script. It's idea to beat sheet. <laughs> idea to outline-ish. That's true. But we know how we're going to get to the script. I mean, we're we're, we're right there. You're right we there. Do. We're on the cusp. Yeah. All right. Okay. Quote of the day. Mm -hmm. Ideas come from curiosity. Walt Disney. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter. Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Mm -hmm.